Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who suddenly really likes grilled onions, Brand Siegel. How you doing? I'm doing well. Look, grilled onions are, they were a gift from the gods. Genuinely. I genuinely believe this. I, I, I've never had grilled onions, or really onions, frankly, ever. I'm a very picky eater, and I haven't had them until more recently, you know, maybe a month or two ago, and I've just fallen in love. I put grilled onions on everything now. I uh, recently got a burger uh, with my girlfriend, Kayla, and grilled onions on a burger, it changes your outlook on life. I, I really believe this. Um, ben, you don't have any love for grilled onions at all? No love for grilled onions? No, nah, I'm not a big onion guy, dude. I, so I, I don't know. I, I don't like onions really in any any kind of way. So I just feel like I don't think I'd like grilled onions. But Brandon, I have a question for you. Because mm-hmm. I'm curious now. You said you had a burger with grilled onions on it. This is an important mm-hmm. question. Have you had a Beckett's burger with grilled onions on it? Because that is the best burger you can find probably on this planet. So have you had a chance to put grilled onions on a Beckett's burger from Bowling Green? You know, it's funny you say that, Ben. It's funny you say that because that's exactly where I got it from. Perfect. That's the exact place. And it was was one of the best burgers I've ever had. Genuinely. I I loved it. I I just think that burger with like the thick patties, the bacon, the four cheeses, you put grilled – oh, just stop. Stop it, Ben. Stop it. (laughs) But, you know, we'll get away from food. We, we have plenty of food talk coming up. Um, but let's, you know, start the podcast up, uh, talk a little bit about sports. And our first subject of small talk today, actually our only subject of small talk, um, we had a little uh, a lot going on with Aaron Rodgers this past week, right, gentlemen? We had a lot going on with Aaron Rodgers. Trevor, why don't you break it down uh, for the people listening? What's going on with him? Yeah, so, I mean, we, we heard, I believe it was on, uh, I think, Thursday or something. I know I saw it at work. Um, Adam Schefter had reported that Aaron Rodgers basically had come to the point where, you know, he wants out of Green Bay. And obviously, you know, we know Green Bay last year, they took Jordan Love, the quarterback, um, mm-hmm. you know, with, with one of their earlier picks. And we've seen, you know, kind of this past season, how the defense really struggled in the playoffs. And Rodgers once again, you know, falling short of trying to get that second Super Bowl. And just like again and again, it seems like he's been upset with, uh, you know, the GM, upset with the organization, how they've kind of run things. And he wants out. So it's it's definitely not a good situation. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff we don't know. We, we don't know exactly all of the reasons why. But I would imagine that drafting Jordan Love is at least part of it. And, uh, you know, some of the other instances where they fall short as well. So it's it's going to be really interesting. It seems like, I don't know, to me, it, it seems like it's going to be hard to kind of, you know, you know, save this. Obviously, we saw like in the NBA, we saw something with James Harden recently where he was he really wanted out. And he kind of, it was kind of like became a standoff where he's like not playing in some games. Now in the NFL, it's, it's harder to do that. I don't necessarily think Aaron Rodgers will be able to do that in the NFL. But it'll just be interesting to see. Obviously, right now, we've seen Matt LaFleur. um, He said to reporters that he doesn't even want to think about it right now. Like, there's basically no way that he even wants to think about uh, trading Aaron Rodgers. So there will be a kind of a little standoff. You know, they're kind of staring at each other, um, seeing which one will give in. And I think it'll be a little while before one of the parties does. Um, But, you know, it's, it's interesting because it gives us something to talk about, obviously, uh, gives us some trade possibilities to make up. Obviously, there could be a lot of interesting landing spots for Aaron Rodgers if he is traded. And ultimately, I think that's probably what will happen just because if you're the Packers and, and he's unhappy, um, you know, he's, he's starting to get a little bit older, I believe 37, 38 years old, um, although he did just have one of his best seasons. But ultimately, I think if this in the situation um, with kind of how we've seen players – 
you know, I guess getting increased control, especially in the NBA, NFL, I think it's a slower increase, but I think still is a thing that should be acknowledged that eventually he will be traded and it's going to be fun to come up with some trade possibilities. Yeah, no, 100%. I I think, to me, I don't fully understand this because what I've read is that he doesn't actually want out and that he's more upset with how they're handling his extension. Like, at first they offered him a restructure and he's like, I don't want a restructure. But it seems like it's gotten worse over time um, as there's been more things like he's talked to teammates about how he he doesn't think he's going to return. I I don't think he doesn't want to go back because they're willing to work on an extension. I mean, he's going to become probably the highest paid. Uh, player in the NFL, if not, you know, maybe second behind Mahomes, because his deal is pretty huge. Uh, you know, Rodgers is a lot older. Um, but I think, I, I think Rodgers is going to stay. I don't think he's going to leave. I don't think, I don't think either one of the parties actually wants to leave. I just think, like, a lot's going on. Um, and Rodgers is upset at the situation itself, but Green Bay is trying to get a handle on it. Ben, final thoughts on Aaron Rodgers and the drama that's happening with him. Yeah, I think it's super interesting. At first, I just want to give a shout-out to uh, any fans of the other three NFC North teams because I'm sure this is just the greatest thing that's ever happened to them. Um, because I promise you, if I was a fan of a team like the Lions, for instance, that just gets their butts kicked every twice a year by Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, I would be so excited to be reading news about this. Even if nothing comes out of it, it if anything, it's you know it's publicity and it's press that's negatively impacting the Green Bay Packers. Um, so you know, shout-out to those fans. I'm sure they're thrilled about this. But it is an interesting. It's an interesting story because, um, like Trevor said, I mean, he he had one of his best years in his career last year. I mean, he's literally the reigning NFL MVP. Um, so this is, I guess, you could say the best quarterback in the NFL at least last year, um, or the best player in the NFL as of last year, that is unhappy with this team. I mean, this is huge news. This is huge offseason news for the NFL. Um, I thought it was interesting also that it came out the day of the first round of the NFL draft. So you have all this NFL draft talk, and then all of a sudden, like, mid-afternoon, you have this breaking news about Aaron Rodgers, about how um, he's not happy with his organization, and who knows, maybe he's not going to want to play for them this year. So, again, it's just another big story. I feel like we've had a lot of big stories this NFL offseason. Obviously, we've had a bunch of stuff go down with Deshaun Watson, um, and something kind of similar here where Aaron Rodgers, does he get to a point where he says, trade me or I'm not playing? Who knows? Like Trevor said, NFL is a little, little bit harder because, um, like with the James Harden stuff, NBA, there's a lot of games you can miss stuff, whatever. NFL, you only got, I guess, now 17 regular season games. Training camp's important. Like, you can't really be missing stuff like that. So I'm super excited to see what happens because this is a huge, high-profile player, one of the most popular players in the NFL over the last 10, 15 years. Um, obviously, one of the best players in the NFL. So this is super interesting. And if I'm in the Packers front office, you got to handle this very carefully because this could have a huge impact on your organization for a very long time if you don't do this correctly. So you got to be careful. You have to make sure you're doing everything that you need to do to make sure that Aaron Rodgers is happy and that you're putting yourself in a position to succeed moving forward um, if you're the Packers because this could, if this goes downhill for the Packers, this could put them in a hole for a very long time. Yeah, and another thing is the Packers are good, really good. Like They, they could be in Super Bowl contention with a player or two. And I think they just got to keep on that path. They'll be able to get there. You know, obviously the Jordan Love pick last year was a little hit with a lot of uh, skeptic uh, skepticism. Uh, people did not didn't think that was helpful. There, Rodgers at all. And obviously, he was not happy. And there's some plays during the season that made him not happy, like uh, when they ran the ball. I forget what game it was, but whenever they ran the ball and lost the game because they didn't throw. Um, but we'll, we'll you know we'll get to follow this story here and we'll we'll see what happens. Um, and that's honestly that's it for small talk today. Not an enormous amount 
happening is small talk, but uh, we're going to move over to Randomly Ranked. Uh, we're aiming for next week to start back up our trivia with all three of us, which will be really, really fun. But today's Randomly Ranked is an interesting one, and I actually came up with it. I very rarely come up with Randomly Ranks. Um, normally, it's Ben, who's always on top of it. Uh, but today, I came up with one. It is going to be the tastiest flavor combinations in food. Um, so, you know, we got a lot of great combinations that you could probably think of off the top of your head that you'd like to combine together. Um, you, you know, um, but today I feel like I, I'm going to start, you know, I, I don't normally start, so I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to take it on today. Uh, my top three, so number three, I got to go with chips and queso. This is a thing that I've recently started to like a lot more, but I'm now obsessed with queso. I absolutely love it. You get a nice tortilla chip, queso, it's just fabulous, really unbeaten. Number two, I got to go with the classic, which is bread and butter. You know, simple as that. I, I just... I think if you get like a nice slice of bread, you know, whether it's a ciabatta, potato bread, sourdough, whatever you like, you get a nice slice of bread, um, some real butter on there, and it's, it's, it's nice and hot, the butter melts through the bread, just fabulous. And number one, and this one wasn't that close, if I'm being frank with both of you, it wasn't that close, it's chocolate and peanut butter, I mean, come on, there's really not a lot better combinations than chocolate and peanut it had to be chocolate and something, and you know, peanut butter, you got the Reese's, um, and Reese's are like the greatest candy of all time, and that's not even close. This had to be my number one. Trevor, what are your top three favorite tastiest flavor combinations? All right, so this was super difficult. Um, <laughs> I have four that I'm going to mention, but obviously that fourth one is an mm -hmm. honorable mention. Um, and it, my fourth one, my honorable mention, is going to be chips and salsa. I think salsa, queso's awesome. I love queso, but I like salsa better. To me, when I go to a Mexican restaurant, one of my favorites is El Jalapeno back uh, near Warren, my hometown, and it just gets addicting. You know, you just sit there when your food's, when, like after you order, waiting on your food, and you just like keep reaching back into the chips, dipping in the salsa, and you just over and over again keep doing it, and it's like addicting. So chips and salsa had to be mentioned. Very good. Number three, I went with cookies and milk. In particular, uh, the cookies I would say would be chocolate chip cookies, but there are other uh, cookies you can have with milk as well, but cookies and milk had to go with it, number three. Number two, I agree with you on that chocolate and peanut butter take. Had to put it in my list. It was mandatory. I love both chocolate and peanut butter. Um, you know, obviously Reese Cups, my favorite, you know, chocolate bar. So great combination there. And number one, I had to do it because... It's a combination that is implemented in most of my dinners throughout the week, and that is chicken and buffalo sauce. It is so amazing. Chicken is my, I mean, it's my favorite food essentially, so it's so good with the buffalo sauce. It's also kind of healthy, you know, so I try to be healthy. That's another perk. It's like a bonus on top of the great, uh, you know, taste, tastefulness, if that's even a word. But I also want to mention the bread and peanut butter take. I, I'm not a fan of that, Brandon. I think that's a little, I don't know, a little basic. Bread and butter. Bread and butter. Bread and butter. Bread and butter a little basic for me. Not not a fan of that one. Yeah, I just think it's like a universal, like universally great thing. Like I feel like I have bread and butter with almost everything that I eat. Like, you know, if I have a chicken sandwich or a burger, you gotta butter the buns, that's bread and butter. A simple breakfast item, a little bread and cinnamon toast, especially Ben and I had cinnamon toast all the time in college with butter. I mean it's kind of unmatched. Um but Ben, I, I'll let you have your take on that, you know, and you can give your top three uh for this category too. Yeah, shout out to you, Trevor. I agree with you. I think bread and butter is a little basic. I don't hate the mm -hmm. take. Like, it's not a bad take, but I, I just wouldn't. I wouldn't put it in my top three. That's just my opinion, Brandon, not to throw stones or anything. I just think it's a little basic. I, I like, if you're going to say bread and butter, then specify it like you did, I guess, and say, you know, cinnamon bread and butter or whatever you, uh, you want to do. But, but I don't hate it. I'm just, you're not going to see that on my list. Um, that's just my thought real quick. 
I'm glad I'm going last, though, because I had like six or seven options here, and I didn't really know which ones to pick. And basically what I did is if I had an option that you guys just had, basically I crossed it off because I don't really need to cover it. So again, like you're not going to see chocolate and peanut butter on my list, even though that's clearly amazing. But I just, I'm not going to put it on there because you guys already talked about it. I don't need to do it. Um, so my first one, I, one I, know, I knew Brandon wouldn't have this on his list. It's got to be strawberries and chocolate. Strawberries and chocolate together are just phenomenal. Oh, so good. Strawberries dipped in chocolate, you can't beat it. Um, my next one, my number two, I got to go with pretzels and peanut butter. Pretzels and peanut butter together are so good. Such a good snack to have, easy snack to have after work or after school when I was younger. Um, it fills you up. It's just a nice snack to have. Great take. Uh, and number one, it's it's basic, but you, I, I had to put it. And that's just chocolate and milk. Really, any any kind of chocolate and a glass of milk together, um, you can't beat it. And it, it, it's, it's very similar to the cookies and milk uh, take that you had, Trevor. But chocolate and milk together, I mean, there's just nothing like you eat some chocolate and there's nothing more refreshing than just a nice glass of milk to help wash it down. Um, you can't beat it. And honestly, if I'm being specific here... Oreos and milk. That that chocolate and that cream with milk. Oh, it's just so good. Mm. You can't beat it. And Brandon, I know you love Oreos, but the fact that you don't love you Oreos. don't you don't uh, eat them with milk just hurts me a little bit because Oreos and milk specifically together, it's just a combination that you cannot beat anywhere. Yeah, and I feel that I'm just not a milk person. I don't like milk. The only time I'm I'm, I'm using milk is in my cereal. It's the only time. Um, but we'll, we'll move on from here. This is a good randomly ranked, I think. Some hot takes by some of us. Not me, of course, but other people. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> um, let's move on to our main topics for the day. Uh, we got some good ones for sure. First up on the board is the NBA standings. We're getting, we're approaching playoff time. Uh, how many games do we have left, Trevor? Uh, like 18, 15? For a lot of teams, it's about 8 to 10, I would say, around in that range. Oh, 8 to 10? Yeah. Okay. So we're really, really close. We, we're, we're down to, uh, we got two playoff races, and it's a little bit different this year. So just to remind everyone, Trevor, what is the playoff situation you have to be in this year? Because there's playing games and stuff. Yeah, so there is the, the playing tournament, which is returning this year, where basically it involves te- teams seeded 7 through 10. And once the season ends, you'll have the 7 seed in each conference playing the 8 seed, the winner of that game automatically gets the seven seed, and then you have the seed, the nine seed and the ten seed who they play. The winner of that game, the nine and the ten seed, advances to play the loser of the seven and eight seed, where they battle for the eight seed. And then obviously the loser of the nine and ten seed game is obviously um, then out, you know, out of the playoffs. And then that's how you get the top eight seeds. So you can potentially see a situation where in the Eastern Conference, the Washington Wizards, currently the 10 seed, if they win two games in a row, they could be uh, the eight seed in the playoffs. So, Trevor, here's the question I propose for you. Who are the, those top two teams? Who are they? Who's going to make it, you think? In each conference. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to go through. I'll start with the East. Uh, you look at the Eastern Conference playoff situation right now, you have um, – well, you really have four teams that are really locked in there with Brooklyn, Philly, Milwaukee, and the Knicks, surprisingly, who are the four seed. They're locked in. You could even argue that the Hawks are also locked in um, at the five, but those are kind of the teams locked in. You have the Hawks at the five seed. The Celtics and Heat are tied uh, for the six seed, both at 34 and 30 currently. Um, and then after that, you have the Charlotte Hornets, the eight seed, the Pacers, the 9 seed, and the Washington Wizards, the 10 seed. So the way this will kind of shake out is, um, the way I see it is you have the Heat, who are two and a half games ahead of the Hornets. Worst case scenario for the Heat, obviously I'm a Heat fan, is that they do get that 7 seed, and they have to play the Hornets or the Pacers, one of those teams, 
and that puts them in jeopardy, potentially could lose a playoff spot if they lose two games in a row. So that's rough. I, I would like to avoid that and get the sixth seed. Um, now, I think what I foresee happening is we have the Washington Wizards, who are the 10 seed. They currently are a game and a half back from the Pacers, um, but they are 8-2 in the last 10 games. And I see them, you know, with the way they've been playing recently, Russell Westbrook in his good form, Bradley Beal, you know, contending for that scoring champion with, um, obviously, Stephen Curry. I see them uh, actually getting to the playoffs. You know, when you look at the Pacers, they're 5-5 five and five in the last 10. The Hornets are 4-6 and six in their last 10, but they are getting LaMelo Ball back, obviously. He he just played his uh, first game, had a nice alley-oop to Miles Bridges. Um but I actually do think that the Wizards will get there. So the way I see it shaking out is I think you'll have the Celtics and the Hornets play. I think the Heat will get the six. Uh, maybe I'm just speaking into existence, but that's what I see. And then I think Celtics and Hornets, they'll play. I would imagine that the Celtics will get the seven seed. And then I think the Wizards will beat the Pacers, play the Hornets for that last playoff spot. And I think we'll get an amazing game. LaMelo Ball, Miles Bridges, Terry Rozier versus Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. And at the end of the day, I think the Wizards will get that eighth spot where they will match up against likely one seed Brooklyn Nets. So you could see a KD-Russell Westbrook matchup. So that's what I would like to see in the East. Um, so, so I'll stop right there. Uh, ben, I'm going to go to you on this. What, what are your thoughts about that? Would you like to see a scenario where, you know, we have Russ versus KD? I mean, who wouldn't like to see that scenario? And especially this year because um, Russ has been playing out of his mind. Um, and Katie's been Katie's been hurt. He's been off his game a little bit. Obviously, when he plays, he's played well. I mean, he's still Kevin Durant. Um, but I would love to see that because Russ just has that. I mean, Katie's got this super team now. And you know, everybody's making fun of the Nets because everybody's joining the Nets. And maybe we'll see Aaron Rodgers join the Nets here shortly. <laughs> um, but it'd, just be, it'd be such a good scenario because... The Wizards obviously aren't a great team. I mean, if they squeak in, they'll barely squeak in in the Eastern Conference. But Russell Westbrook just has, like, a chip on his shoulder. And he's always been like that. But this year, it just seems like he's playing out of his mind. It seems like he's really just got this chip on his uh, shoulder. New team. Um, you know, he, He's gotten a lot of hate the last couple of years because he just hasn't put up these great numbers. So I would be thrilled if we saw the Wizards as the lowest seed play at the top seed of Nets in the first round. Obviously, I would pick the Nets to come out of that series. No, no, uh, no question. But... It would be awesome to see that matchup because Russell Westbrook just always seemed to have, have some sort of chip on his shoulder and something that he's mad about. He plays with attitude, and the Nets would be a perfect team um, to play against because there's so many reasons to hate them this year that I really just think it'd be great TV and it'd be awesome for, for the NBA in general to have a matchup like that. So here's the thing. The Wizards aren't making the playoffs. I agree. They're not that yeah, good. They They're not very good. The Wizards won't be making the playoffs. I, I got the Heat and the Pacers in. I, I I like both of those teams. The Pacers are the only team out of those bottom four that doesn't have a minus in the point differential, um, and I think that's going to help them a lot. And the Heat have the second, I guess you could say, highest point differential. Um, so basically that reason alone, I'm going to take both of those teams. Um, I, I understand that I think both of them aren't playing overly well recently. Heat are 6-4 and four in the last 10, Pacers 5-5. Five and five. Um, but I just don't have much faith in the Hornets or the Wizards. Definitely the Wizards. I don't think Russ is that good, so I don't think they will make the playoffs. <laughs> Trevor, why don't you start us off with the Western Conference? All right, not, not too surprised by that. So we got the Western Conference. Now, the Western Conference, also very interesting um, scenario. We got a lot of teams that, that are already clinched, definitely the top four seeds, uh, and there's a race within those four seeds to see who will get like the three and the four. We had the Nuggets who played the Clippers last night. Um, they currently are in the three. The Clippers are the four because they beat them. 
Um, you have the Lakers who have fallen to the six, the Mavs taking over the five. Right now they're tied both at 36 and 27. And then we have teams seven through 10, which, you know, another interesting scenario here. You have Portland, who has kind of distanced themselves a little bit. It, it seems like they're pretty solidly in that seven position. Then you have uh, Memphis, who is three games behind Portland. You have the Warriors, who are then a half game behind Memphis. And the Spurs, also tied with the Warriors um, at only a half game behind the Grizzlies and uh, three and a half games behind the Blazers. So this is really interesting. Obviously, like pretty much everyone, I would like to see the Warriors get in the playoffs. You know, with the season Steph Curry's had, it would be fun to see him, um, you know, as, as the underdog, which, you know, in the past few years, we haven't really seen that a lot, you know, with all those good Golden State teams, you know, the juggernauts with KD, Clay, Steph. Now we kind of see Steph. He is, you know, he doesn't have anywhere near the supporting cast he used to have. So I think it'll be really interesting seeing Steph Curry in a different role in the playoffs and in a way, I'm like rooting for Steph Curry now, whereas before I never did. But now he's he's like the rootable underdog, so I would really like to see him get in there. And if you look at it, Portland, they're the seven seed. They will be likely, I mean, they could play Memphis, Golden State, or San Antonio in that 7-8 game. My instinct says that Golden State will get into that game, um, just with the way Steph Curry's been playing. Um, you know, you have Draymond. I, my instinct is to say that they'll get it over Memphis. They'll get the eight seed and then they'll play Portland. Um, and whether or not they win that game or not, I just see Portland and Golden State as the last two teams, which that, I mean, those were the last two teams I, I was thinking would be in the playoffs at the beginning of the year anyway. I mean, I, I think I said, um, I would have Portland and Golden State as the seven and eight seeds preseason. And now I think that's what it's going to be. Memphis has been good. Um, overall this year, you know, you have John Morant. Obviously, I, I mentioned Jonas Valanciunas on one of our most recent podcasts. He's been very good. Um, and they're, you know, they're an interesting team. Grayson Allen's become this good role player. But I just, at the end of the day, you know, when you have, like, one game decided at all, like, if it's Memphis and Golden State, and they have one game decided at all, and you have, like, a crunch time situation, I'm just betting on Steph Curry and the Warriors. So I think that, or or with that being said, I'm betting on Dame Lillard if it's him versus Memphis. So I think regardless of where it shakes out, I guess I'll just say I'll have Portland 7 and Golden State 8. But really, I think it'll go either way. And I think it'll be those two teams. And I think Memphis and the Spurs will be left out. So I, I actually agree with you. I, I think it's going to be the Blazers and Warriors. I just think Steph is playing too well um, for the other four te- three teams that are in, in here. I don't know if they're going to be the seven or the eight necessarily. Um, but I, I just think Steph's going to overpower. He'll make the playoffs somehow. They won't do like overly well in the playoffs, but they'll make it. Mm-hmm. And um, kind of same thing with the Blazers. I just think Damian Lillard's too good, you know? And um, I think the Blazers have a solid team, so I think those two teams will be in it. Yeah. Ben, would you agree with us? Do you agree with us? I do agree with you, and here, here's what I'm thinking as I'm looking at these standings. It, it's gonna be it's gonna be a loss for the NBA in general as a whole, um, either way or any way that it goes, because the Western Conference has so many star powers. Like like I'd love to see, for instance, the Pelicans make the playoffs. I'd love to see Zion in the playoffs. I just it's not gonna happen. I'd love to see John Morant in the playoffs. Um, I'd love to see Seth Curry in the playoffs, but chances are you're not gonna see both of them. You're probably only gonna see one or the other. So. It's interesting, and obviously, like with this first year being having this play, this play in a tournament or game or whatever it is, um, this new this new playoff system, it's going to add a lot of drama. But either way, it's I'm going to be somewhat disappointed because there's going to be some sort of star that is not going to make the playoffs. That it, I feel like it's just going to hurt the NBA in, in uh, as a whole. Obviously, the Western Conference has a bunch of stars that all the teams above them have plenty of stars, but 
I just think it's interesting looking at that, like, because I'm looking at the standings and I'm like, I'd love to see the Warriors. Steph Curry, like you said, Trevor, he's kind of been like the underdog this year. He's putting the team on his back. I'd love to see him make the playoffs and see what he can do. But at the same time, I'd love to see John Morant make the playoffs for the first time in his career, see what he can do against some of the best players in the NBA, because he is, from what we've seen so far, is one of the best players in the NBA already in his second year. Um, so it, either way, I'm going to be a little upset because there's going to be somebody um, that doesn't make the playoffs that I'd love to. Even like if the Trailblazers fall apart for whatever reason, they miss it. Damian Lillard belongs in the playoffs. you got to have Damian Lillard in the playoffs. Um, so it's going to be upset. It's going to be upsetting either way. But that I guess that kind of comes with the territory of being in the Western Conference and having so many stars and so many great teams, so many great organizations uh, in that conference. It's just super difficult. Not everybody can make it. Um, so, it, again, it's interesting. It, it's it's a good year to have this this new system with these playoffs. And I know some people don't like it. And some people, there's a debate about it, whether it's good or is it, was this the right time to have it. Um, regardless of what your opinion on it is, I think you could at least say that it's going to be exciting. It's going to be different. Okay, it's it's, it's going to be different. It's going to add some sort of drama and some extra excitement, extra entertainment um, to an NBA season that the ratings have been down, obviously, with fans and COVID. It's been not as entertaining as it normally would be. So I do think this is a good time to implement this new playoff system because it's going to change things up, and it's always good to mix things up a little bit. Um, so I'm excited for that aspect of it, I guess I could say. Yeah, and I think with what you were saying about like how like it'll be unfortunate if we don't get to see John yeah. Moran. Obviously, we're not going to get to see Zion. I mean, they're three games back of the yeah, Spurs, no. so very yeah. unlikely that the Pelicans make it. But the other side of the coin is that you know we're just guaranteed to see some good star. You know, whereas I think in the Eastern Conference, it's not necessarily the case. Like if we yeah. get like if somehow, um, and this probably won't happen, but if somehow we get like the Pacers and the Hornets, and somehow like the Heat or the Celtics and the Wizards miss it, and then you have like a Pacers Nets matchup like Pacers Nets are like would you rather see Pacers Nets or Nets Wizards like I think the answer is pretty obvious or at least for most yeah. people um so and the West, that's a good thing about the Western Conference right so, you know it's a better conference overall so more stars and then with the play-in tournament thing I think it's clear that whether you're for or against it in the moment it's going to be awesome like when we have those games the you know the one game to win it all between you know, the Hornets and the Wizards or the Warriors and the Grizzlies, like that game is going to be so awesome. And I, I just can't wait for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you guys. Um, but let's move on to the last topic of the podcast day, which is the NFL draft. Very big thing that just happened. One of my favorite couple days of the year. Um, and, you know, I, I think we have a lot of potential stars in this draft. However, I don't think this draft is overly deep. Um, but you know we do got to we got to talk about it, right? You know we got to talk about it. So let's let's start off with some teams that did well and didn't do well. Trevor, I'm gonna go to you first. Name, honestly, you can name as many as you'd like for either one. What's a team that you think did well? What's a team you think that didn't do well? Um, so the first team that stood out to me that did well was the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, you know they got an offensive tackle in Rashawn Slater from Northwestern uh, with their 13th pick. Definitely seems like a great pick there. A lot of other mock drafts, you know, in some places had him going higher. Um, some people might even think he could be better than Penny Sewell. I don't know about that, but you know, Rashawn Slater definitely seems like kind of like a, again, we, we've talked about like, is there, are there any sure things? No, there's no like a hundred percent. It's not a hundred percent sure, but it's like 98% sure that, you know, Rashawn Slater is probably going to be a very good player. That's going to start an NFL for a long time. So definitely a good pick there. And then they got, you know, 
Asante Samuel Jr., obviously the son of one of my uh, favorite players, former Patriot Asante Samuel. So they got him corner out of the Florida State in the second round. So I thought this was really good. You know, the Chargers, they did struggle on defense at some times. And obviously, you know, you want some protection for your, you know, your franchise, your new franchise quarterback, Justin Herbert. So I thought they did really well. Uh, they went and got a wide receiver in the third round. And just overall, looking at you know the positions they went after, the you know the players they went after, seemed like they had a really good draft. So that's my uh, first instinct as far as good. On the bad side, um, and I know you probably have some thoughts to add on this one, Brandon, is the Raiders. The Raiders, just as far as like uh, not getting the maximum value that they could have gotten. Obviously, they took Alex Leatherwood, the offensive lineman, in the first round when when most you know experts mock drafts had him going in late second. You know. So just as far as the value, it seems kind of odd. I know some people were talking about, it's like, oh, is John Gruden and, and the coaching staff, are they still stuck in like the old ways of like the 90s and the you know early 2000s of, of the way the NFL was? It seems like they might be a little behind uh, the times and uh, is, you know, just as far as draft strategy. So I guess that would be my main uh, bad one. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with the Raiders. Uh, not, I don't think they had like this atrocious draft, but they just didn't get good value for many of their picks. I do think uh, Travon Mooring, I might be saying his name wrong, uh, the TCU safety, really good value where they got him, but besides that, just nothing else speaks to me. Alex Leatherwood was crazy, in my opinion. I mean, that was so high, and I mean, you're never gonna know, but the question is, where would he go? Yeah. Um, and we've seen the Raiders with Gruden do this in the past, where they draft a guy like Colleen Farrell, uh, they took him, and I think he's been okay, but not great. And they took him, like, fourth or whatever it was uh, two years ago or last year. Like, I honestly can't remember the exact time. Um, and he, like, was mocked, like, late first round. It just seems like they have these, like, big swings. And, you know, they just hope that they hit a home run off these just enormously powerful swings. So most of the time, it's just going to, you know, be a swing and a miss. Um, there's actually a couple teams that I want to mention that I think did really great things. Uh, the first one, which I know we're going to talk about them, is the Chicago Bears. Um, Justin Fields, in my opinion, went 10 picks too late. Uh, he was drafted 11th, for people who didn't know, and I think he went 10 picks too late. Um, I, I genuinely believe he will end up being one of the best quarterbacks in this draft, if not the best. I think Trevor Lawrence is also going to be great, but I love Justin Fields, and I think he fits perfectly in the Bears' offense. Um, I think the Ravens had a good draft. I actually really like their draft a lot. I don't think they reached too much. They took a lot of players at needs. Um, they drafted multiple receivers, and Tylen Wallace in the fourth round, he was mocked in some people's drafts in, like, a late second-round pick, early third round, um, and they got him in the fourth round. So really, really good value there. Um, I thought Bateman and OF uh, from Penn State, or from Minnesota and Penn State, respectively, their first-round picks were both solid takes. Ben Cleveland I absolutely love. That man looks like a actual mountain. He's huge, um, and it seems like he can play a lot of places on the O-line. I think they did a good job. Uh, I I don't I don't want to say this next team, but I feel like I'm kind of obligated just because you know, I got to tell the truth a little bit. Um, would be the Browns. Uh, I I think the Browns hit a lot of needs. Now here's the thing about Browns fans: for whatever reason, they think they're winning the Super Bowl off their their draft picks. I don't know how that was what was communicated um, by what they did. They did a great job, but I I don't think they're now stacked. I mean, I saw so many people tweet like the Browns are now stacked. I'm like, hold on, they haven't played an NFL snap yet. Let's wait. You know, for that to happen before we go out and say we're stacked, you know? I feel like that's reasonable to say. Um, and one last team I just want to mention a couple of things on are the Giants. The Giants did a lot of things in this draft that I think were really, really good in their first two picks. Cardarius, Tony, um, and I'm not going to butcher his name, so I'm not going to say it. The defensive lineman from Georgia, 
defensive end, who I actually wanted the Ravens to kind of get in the first round, who went 50th, 20th and 50th respectively. Really, really good picks, and they traded back for both of them. They got draft capital um, in the upcoming years. Uh, this this is impressive moves from David Gentleman. Um, I, I'm he's definitely. I think he said he's never traded down ever in mm-hmm. all of his nine years of drafting, and he did twice in this draft. So I got to give a hand to the Giants, which is a pretty rare one. They they did some good stuff. The Giants in a couple of years are going to be solid. I really really do believe that. I think the Giants have some really really good talent, and they're planning for the future. Uh, ben, I'm going to pass this off to you. Any other teams you want to mention that had good or bad drafts? So I mean, I I got to say the New York Jets, and like they're not a great organization. We'll see, but they had ten draft picks. Okay, so anytime you have ten picks in a seven round draft. Um, it's gonna work out. It's it's more beneficial than than obviously other teams that don't have as many draft picks as you. So I had to give a shout out to the the New York Jets. Obviously they they pick Zach Wilson, and I'm not super high on Zach Wilson. I talked about that last week. We'll see. I mean I, I'm not an expert. All right, I don't want to make I don't want to make judgments too early until I see him play. I'm not super high on him, but they did address. I mean they had a lot of issues, and their first four picks were all offense offensive positions and their next six were all defensive positions okay so they obviously had a lot of issues they it seemed like they addressed a lot of the needs they have and they had a lot of them and they still are not going to be an amazing team next year that's not how the nfl works but again they had 10 draft picks so i feel like i had to give them a shout out um because clearly they put themselves they put themselves in a position where they could make a lot of moves in this nfl draft um as for a team that didn't do that great again i'm not an expert i don't know but i'm looking at this list and these grades and the steelers are, are at the bottom okay so anytime i have a chance to bash the Steelers, typically a team that I feel like in general drafts really well. I gotta throw some shade to the Steelers. Obviously, they take Najee Harris in the first round, um, and we've talked about Najee Harris plenty of times on this podcast, Brandon, because I know you love him and he's amazing. I get that, but I'm not a huge fan of drafting a running back in the first round anyway. I mean, Brandon, you've talked about it a thousand times how important a first round draft pick is, um, and running backs just don't last a long time in the NFL. And I get it, Najee Harris is great. He's a phenomenal running back. But I don't love the idea of, of, of wasting your only first-round draft pick um, on a running back. And then, obviously, I mean, they, they, they had other people. They drafted a center because their center retired. I get that. But it just doesn't seem like they, they really hit any home runs with any of their draft picks. Obviously, Najee Harris is great, but I don't even think that's necessarily a home run pick um, because he's playing in, a, obviously, a, a division with the Ravens and with the Browns that have really good defenses. So it's going to be tough for him. Um, and, and they just weren't that great last year. And obviously, if Ben Roethlisberger comes back and he plays like he did last year, they're going to have some issues again this year. So I just I was not blown away w- with the Steelers and their draft class this year, which typically I, I would not say um, because I feel like they do generally, as much as I hate it, they're a well-ran organization and they typically draft well. So it just a couple head scratches for the Steelers. Again, I'm not an expert, um, but the experts, that the people that are experts, had them kind of low. So I had to throw that out there. I had to give a shout-out. Um, to any Steelers fans that are listening about how your team just didn't do that well this year, and that makes me so happy to be able to talk about that. Yeah, and not yeah. Um, go ahead. Go ahead, Trevor. I was just gonna say. Um, yeah, go ahead, please. I was just gonna say, and Najee Harris absolutely, I think, will be a home run, but he can't be a home run if he doesn't have protection in front of him. Which oh, the absolutely. Steelers, I believe, were ranked thirty first in run protection or something like that. So you know, the offensive line situation is pretty dire there at the moment, especially later in the season. And if they don't have anyone to block for Najee Harris, like, I mean, offensive line is incredibly important. If you don't have anyone to block, no running back is going to succeed. So, yeah, I I agree overall. I think they probably should have went lineman, um, at least with that first-round pick. That's that's how I see it. I I think the biggest thing about the Steelers, I love Najee Harris. I love him so much. I'm so upset he went to the Steelers. But the biggest thing is uh, they got a quarterback who's pretty old, don't they? Yes, they do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I don't see a quarterback drafted here. You know they're not. Yeah, that too. They're, they're not. 
they're not planning for that at all. You know, they just signed Mason Rudolph to an extension, but he's terrible. Um, and Ben Roethlisberger is, you know, becoming older and older mm-hmm. and doesn't look like he's that great anymore. He seems fine, but not that great. So we'll see, you know, what they got in the plans next year. Maybe, you know, they're not as good and they get a high pick, something like that. However, I don't see that happening. I still think they'll be not bad. Um, in fact, I'll, I'll even say they'll probably be pretty decent, you know, pretty good. Um, any final thoughts on the draft before we wrap up today's episode? Trevor, I'll start with you. Anything else you want to mention? Yeah, I guess the other, like, some of the other interesting things, obviously, we, you know, I mentioned Asante Samuel Jr. We saw, like, sons of former players, and like Patrick Sertan, very phenomenal uh, mm-hmm. corner. J.C. Horn. J.C. Horn, who I really like in particular. Like, just watching his highlights, like, I, I would love J.C. Yeah, Horn to play tape. for my team. Um, and then also just like, I think the 49ers situation is really interesting. Now they take Trey Lance, which it was like, is it going to be Mac Jones or Trey Lance? Should have been Justin Fields, but nevertheless, they get Trey Lance. Um, they have Jimmy G who like, what, what are they going to do with him now? Where is he going to go? I th- I just think that 49ers situation is really interesting. Yeah. Lance definitely isn't a day one starter. So I, I actually don't, I mean, they should have taken Fields hundred percent, but like, I don't hate what they're doing. Because I don't think Jimmy G is terrible. I don't know how many years he has left on his deal. But let's say hypothetically it's two. I could be completely wrong. But let's say it's two. I mean, those are good years that I think Lance can learn under him. And then really take over the reins of a team that is quite talented. So I actually don't absolutely hate it. Again, would still take Fields and then trade Garoppolo. That's what I would have done. But I don't hate what's going on. Ben, any final thoughts on the Niners or anything else before we wrap up? Yeah, just I want to give a quick shout out to the Minnesota Vikings. Because I mentioned how the... uh the New York Jets had 10 draft picks. Well, the Vikings had 11 draft picks. So shout out to them. 11 draft picks in the seven-round draft I feel like is insane. Um, so good for them for capitalizing on on this opportunity because 11 draft picks is a lot of draft picks. They they, they definitely drafted a lot of players. Um, but I think we'll wrap it up for there today. Uh, appreciate all the support on this podcast. Thank you all so much for listening today as well. Of course, subscribe. Leave that five-star review if you enjoyed it. Um, and of course, follow us on Twitter at the Small Baller or hit the link in the description. Uh, listen to the Twelfth Row podcast, which is also part of our podcast network with Josh and Will, where they go over all this stuff from the past week in soccer. Really, really great podcast. Highly recommend it. But with that being said, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Go Falcons!